Well, church, this morning as we were to walk through the book of Acts, this week we would have been talking about Ananias and Sapphira, and I thought you guys had had enough. <laughs> we're we're going to take a pause from the book of Acts for a little bit, um, and we're going to look at Psalm chapter 63 is where we're going to be today. Psalm chapter 63, um, which seems most appropriate for where we've been. This has been an unusual season, an unusual time for us as we've walked through. Uh, how do we survive when we have help to give but no way to give it? I remember thinking there waking up Monday morning and I had gas cans in my garage, a generator that wouldn't start so the gas was free to give out, right? No way to share it. No way to make it available. It was too dangerous to drive. We, we were thinking about the, the church. We're looking at the security cameras. We're, we're looking at the thermostats. The church has power, but no way to get to the facility and no way to get others here. That first day, it was such an interesting, odd, unusually unfun time for so many of us. But, but in that same sense, we start to say, okay, Lord, what do we have? And I've been so proud of our church family just being available through all of this. The last few days, uh, allowing the church to be open as a warming shelter, places to, to eat and sleep and to, to recharge. It's, it's been a place just for water pressure to happen, even with the water boil, so many without water still, just, just to be used, which is fantastic. It's been amazing to see how families and volunteers have come together to help provide some coffee. Amen? Listen, I think coffee may be a little bit higher need than plumbers right now. It's close uh, as it goes. It's just been such an interesting uh, time as we have persevered through it all. And as I was just praying and saying, Lord, I obviously feel like you have a different word for us this week than I was thinking months ago before this happened. I found myself in Psalm chapter 63. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there with me. And I want to read something to you. The, the, the caption, the title um, that was accompanying the song is not Psalm. It's not the Word of God. It just tells us the context of it a little bit. And so I want to walk you through where and what season this was written in before we get into it. Because in the middle of feeling stuck and unable to help or unable to provide, maybe, maybe for your own family, the, the fireplace only puts out so much heat or there's no PVC pipe to fix broken pipes anyway, whatever it would be, feeling stuck. This psalm was written in a similar season. The Bible says this, Psalm 63, just the very introduction says this, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now listen, David, he spent a lot of time in the wilderness of Judah. We, we don't know. Some will say that this psalm was written when David was being pursued by Saul. And in the wilderness of Judah, one pointed me back to, to 2 Samuel, when David had the opportunity to forge his own way to the throne. Saul was in a cave, exposed, arms and, 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 and weapons on the ground. And David whispered into, the men of David whispered into his ear, now's your shot, take the throne. And, and David said, I will not force what the Lord has not done. In fact, I won't raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. He wouldn't force the wind. And you would think in that moment that that's, that's a great feeling, like you feel good, like I didn't force the wind. You know, Lord, I didn't, I didn't do what you 
didn't want me to do. I didn't try to make something happen. I kept following you. But the reality is, after David didn't force the win, he didn't take Saul's life in a quick, fast pass to the king, to the throne, what happened was this. He spent more time in the wilderness on the run from a man who was trying to kill him. He elongated his suffering because he wasn't willing to take the fast pass. Now, that may have been when he wrote this psalm. It may have been another time because there was another season of David's life when he spent time in the wilderness. His son Absalom had been rejected by David because he'd murdered another son in revenge of his sister. And Absalom being welcomed back in but never feeling part of the family would stand at the gate before people could come in to see the king and said, the king doesn't care about you, I do. And he started stealing the hearts of the people and the throne so much so that David and his men left Jerusalem and were on the run from his own son in the wilderness of Judah. Can you imagine the struggle of David's heart in that moment? Unwilling to believe what his son is doing, yet unwilling to fight against his son. Finally, at the end, when Absalom is coming after him, he gives his men permission to fight, but his heart breaks and says, please don't kill my son. He's just struggling in the wilderness. And it wasn't for six days. In the last six days, there's no one in the world that should downplay how difficult it has been. And it still is for so many without power and water and all of that's happened to us. But the season that David is in, what he's pointed us to is this, is that he is in the wilderness stuck without air conditioning, without plumbing, on the run for his life, feeling responsible for all the lives around him feeling like he is failing them as a leader, feeling like he is failing his family, feeling like he is, is not able to honor God and fix this. And that tension and the hurt, that's what David's living in. And so when I started to read Psalm 63, I thought, Lord, if there's anything that we read, need right now, it's how do we live for you with joy in seasons like this? Psalm 63, verse 1, the first few words says this. Oh God, you are my God. I just want you to stop there. I love what David says here and how he does this. There's so much goodness beneath this, right? This is, this is like queso this is just breaking through that top layer to get to the good stuff you have to get through it first so check this out david makes a declarative statement before he even gets to the good stuff regardless of what we're to follow regardless of what's going on in my life regardless of how people are taking advantage of me right now regardless of what i'm enduring god you are my god he sets the tone and says, I'm your servant. I, I tell this, I was getting to visit with someone the other day about doing a wedding and they were, they were doing their first wedding. And we were walking through the parts of the wedding. And just, what is this part? And what is this part? And what do I need to make sure to remember? And, and I said, you know, the wedding, just so you know, moms, I want you to hear this. The wedding 
is really about this couple but most of it is really focused on the two people in front and everybody else just gets to witness but there's one part of the marriage of the wedding ceremony that is declarative right it's this it's this moment that's called this declaration of intent do you you know take this woman yada 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 i do like the point is to declare it i love this person and i want the world to hear me say it from now and forevermore now everybody who attends the wedding that first 30 seconds is for you and the rest is for them what david says is i want you to know the whole world oh god you are my god church as you and i walk through seasons of difficulty in life there's one thing that we need to declare and state over and over in our life, in the mirror, to our family. Oh God, you are my God. Church, we, we need to know that in our heart because we can feel like the world depends on us to do the things that our God is relied on to do. He is the provider. He is the father. He is the one who protects and keeps and he calls us, no doubt. But we can feel burdened if we believe that God has given us his throne and we are responsible on our own. So in this week, in this season, would you say those words with me? Oh God, you are my God. Yeah, he is, he is. Okay, that's just the opening. I only have like 10 minutes left. Are you ready? So good, so good. We should have coffee pots. This would go for a while. Verse one says this. Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I just felt like that was way appropriate. Right? You see, what David says is after he sets the tone, he describes the worth of the one whom he has just pro proclaimed and declared, right? So we have this statement of, of faith. Now we have a statement of value. Like, God, you are not just someone I talk to on Sundays. You are not just somebody I lean into in my daily prayer calendar. You are not just somebody who is just one of the many relationships that I hold in my life. You, my God, I earnestly seek. My soul is thirsting. My flesh is fainting like, like a land where there is no water. I, I don't know how many hunts you have been on this week. Maybe you've been hunting for gas for your generator. Maybe it's water bottles that you've been on the hunt for. Maybe, maybe it's just a warm place to stay. But we've been hunting this week. And, and yesterday, I, I want to tell you of one of the most joyful moments of the week. My, Christy and I, we, we date every Friday morning. Uh, if we're in town and the world is re revolving, we're having a breakfast date. It's great. And so we go and get a taco. And Christy, there's no drinks to be found. I said, well, we can drive down to Bucky's. In Texas City so we drive down to Bucky's and their water is not there either so we turn away kind of disparaged and we're driving home 
20 minutes later, we get home, an emergency beep comes up on our phone. It says, Texas City is off the boil water notice. <gasps> That's amazing. So that moment is grief, because we were there 20 minutes ago. If we'd have been patient. And Christy turns and says, I would really like a soda fountain soda. <laughs> because do you know what? It's a dry and weary area, and there's no soda. There was water in places, and there was no Dr. Pepper. It's weird. And so we, we make a trek back to Bucky's, and we get the largest 18-gallon cup you can get because we have been making stops for, for just, just some taste of normalcy. Are you with me? You see, what David says is, you know what it's like to search for water to flush your toilet with. You know what it's like to search for a soda just to give you something. You know what it's like just to praise God for 10 minutes of electricity. 10 minutes, really. But, but 10 minutes of electricity. And David says, here's what I want you to know. How badly you seek that, the God that you serve, the one who we proclaim, is vastly, infinitely more valuable than that. And it's amazing how we in our creature of habits and our creature of comforts say, Lord, I would love to, to seek you. I would love more time with you. And then the Lord allows us to be in some uncomfortable season. And he says, you got all the time you need. What are you doing? I'm just huddling. We start to say, God, if I was more comfortable, I would seek you. But God says, when you were comfortable, you didn't seek me. When it's uncomfortable, you didn't seek me. So I'm not thinking it has anything to do with the temperature on the thermostat. If you and I want to endure with joy the seasons God has given us, then we need to know it begins with a statement that is backed up by value. Will you seek the Lord? like you are seeking to solve the problems that you will face Monday at work, the problems you face at home. I will seek you. Verse 2, we're getting through this. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. See, before David even starts talking about himself much, he says, one, I will state my faith is in you. Two, I will let you know, Lord, my value is in you. But three, I want you to know, God, I will declare your attributes. You see, David is cut off from the temple. He, he's not able to worship in the synagogue. He's in the wilderness. I mean, chew on that for just a moment. David writes these words, I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. He's not able to go to church because church is guarded by people. The last time he went into a holy place, Everybody was killed because they helped him out. Yet David, in the wilderness, in the difficulties of life, said, God, it is your attributes. I have seen your power. I have seen your glory. You see, David, on the run, his life in danger, environmental things going on all around him, says, even though I am running and the temptation would be for me to try to force my way through it and ask forgiveness on the backside, that would be silly, God. Because I have been in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power. 
I've seen you work in the story of our people. I have, I've beheld your glory. I have seen your name accomplish things that no one else could accomplish. Church, here's what I want you to, to get into as we move into this. You and I today need to remind ourselves of what we have seen in the Almighty God. And it is just a taste. His glory and His power, He doesn't hide them from us. He offers them to us. So David just makes these statements. You are my God. My faith is in you. I will seek you. Everything I value is in you. Because I have seen you. And you are indescribably incomparable. Church, that's to be like a warm cup of coffee going through our body right now. Because when we get that, when we lean into the character of God, there's a peace that starts with our head and goes to our feet. And David then proclaims some statements. In fact, he testifies. Verse 4, So I will bless you as long as I live. I will, in your name, I will lift up my hands forever. Why can David bless God? Verse 3, because of your steadfast love, it's better than life. It's better than life. God's love is better than life. Do you know what that means? David is saying, it's better than clean water. It's better than indoor plumbing, which is really awesome. It's, it's better than all the things. I mean, we were just laughing this morning. We're down to our canned and boxed foods at the house. Amen? Like spam is a nicety. And David is saying that your steadfast love, oh God, is better than not just the niceties of life, but all of life. So if I am cold and snuggled, if I am inconvenienced or in hardship, God, what the world cannot take away from me is the same thing that Omar said it cannot give. The love of the Almighty God who is power and glory and valuable and above all else. Do you see, church, today, regardless of what we walk into when we go home, we know that the goodness of God compels us to praise Him. The goodness of God compels us to praise Him. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, for the love of Christ, the love of God compels me. It's amazing how the Lord can use some inconveniences and some difficult seasons to remind us what drives us. And David says, are you driven by his goodness, by his greatness? If you are, then you will have joy on your face even as the temperature struggles in your home. You will have joy on your lips even as the piles of problems stack up at work or in life because they fail in comparison to who God is. Verse 5. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. You see, David lines it up and he says, listen, completeness, completeness compels me to praise you. 
You know, this thing started off by David saying, I, I'm going to seek after you. I'm going to earnestly seek you because my, my soul is thirsty. In other words, it's not satisfied. It's in need. Now we find in verse 5 what David says is, but God, in you, in you, I have completeness. The satisfaction, the word here means abundantly full, full to the top. David says, I may be in the wilderness, but in you, O oh God, I am filled like I have the fattest, richest food that ever existed in front of me. And so just like if we eat a good, warm meal on a cold day, and we say, oh God, thank you as that goes down my throat into my stomach and my chest, God. David says, do you know what? Even when famine surrounds you, you can give joy and your life can be lifted up because in the Lord is the fattest and the riches that makes your mouth proclaim him. I asked someone this week, what's been really good? This is on Tuesday. What's been really good about this week? And they looked at me like, are you, have you been here? <laughs> Did you make a trip somewhere else? You know, just wondering if I was enduring what they was, was, what's been good? You know, the Lord reminds us that in the midst of all of this, he still completes us and it gives us the ability to praise him. So my question is, how has the Lord been completing you when your environment this week has been depleting you? What has the Lord provided? What has he given? Verse 6. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. In the shadow, verse 7, in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Church, what David goes into finally is he says, you know what, God? Your help compels me to praise you. And God completes me. God is good to me. And God helps me. So I'm compelled to praise him. It means all of this, the responsibility is off of my shoulders. Not to sit and be fit, but to follow hard after him. Remember, David started this out by saying, you're my God. And so I'm running with you. I'm following hard after you. We might feel like, God, what you're telling me in your words sometimes is that I'm responsible for everything. But that's not right. And then there are times they say, well, I've seen your word. Just trust you. So I do nothing at all. Well, no, that's not right. Remember, David said, you're my God. I'm running hard after you but when I run hard after you I am praising I am dancing in the streets even when I'm running for my life because you are good because you complete me and because you have helped me and one of my favorite things Christy uh, and, and I talk about this at, at weddings and this week um, we, we had the opportunity Christy's uh, wedding ring is almost 23 years old I probably bought it a few months early so somewhere in there and I don't know about you, but I just thought once you, you buy it, you know, it's kind of like set it and forget it. You with me? But do you know over time, like prongs wear down and diamonds and different things fall out. And all of a sudden, we start to, to realize that this stone that's important to uh, us in sim symbolism is, is loose. And so we go in and we, we get it set and it's got a new gripper on it. So I'm hoping it goes another 23 years. That's the win. But you know what the thing about a stone and a wedding ring 
It reminds me of, of in the book of Samuel when the men of God cross through the waters and they take a place and, and they set these markers up and they call the marker Ebenezer and the Ebenezer just simply means you have helped me this far. Do you know every time Christy and I go through difficult seasons, maybe it's personally with our children or with the church or with whatever, do you know we'll play with her ring? Ladies, do you ever play with your ring? We, we, we'll, we'll, we'll just hold her hand and I'll, I'll kind of move it back and forth because that stone reminds me that the Lord has helped us this far and he's going to help us every day moving forward. Church, this morning, here's what we know, that we can praise God because he has helped us this far. Why would he abandon us now? He wouldn't, and Jesus declares it. He will not leave or forsake you. You see, church, this morning, we have reason to praise, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. He is our God, and he is worth everything we have. And in him is the power and the glory to endure and overcome anything the world has to throw at it. So this morning, church, will you praise him going home to a house with broken pipes? Will you praise him as you scoop up the water to fill up the tank and the toilet? Will you praise him as you boil the water and the, the black stuff, the film sits on the top? Will you, will you praise him as the generator is fighting against you and won't start? Will you give him joy because in none of these things do you have goodness? In none of these things do you have completeness? In none of these things do you have the help meet that has been with you since the first day you took a breath? Until the moment you knew him as Lord and you knew where your help came from. David says in verse 8, because of all of this, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I'm a snuggler. Amen. Any of you in here a snuggler? Yeah, there you go. Some kids and some married men. I'm with you. That's it. in the cold when your family gets together did you have a moment where someone was clinging to you and dad you were really holding them in David says that's it that's the joy my clinging it's just responding to your holding. If I let go, your arm is still there. But why would I let go? When Jesus asked the disciples, when everyone walked away from him, would you go too? Peter spoke up and said, where would we go? Where would we go? In you is everything. Church, this morning, is that your statement? Would that be the banner? Would you be the crazy neighbor that's lost their mind 
because you are praising God when everyone else around you is suffering and misery with the things around them. Would you allow the joy of the Lord to be a testimony to those who need to hear the good news? The door has been opened. Pipes bust. Neighbors are outside. Would you let them see whom you worship? so that they may know life to the fullness so that no matter what excuse me, situation they're in, they can have that joy too. This morning, this morning, if you've never tasted the kind of joy that David describes, then let me tell you, it is found where the disciples pointed to. In Jesus Christ, he holds it all, the keys to life. He is where your help comes from. So this morning, maybe that's your response. Maybe that's your first step to declare, God, you are my God. And through your son, Jesus Christ, I will submit and follow you all the days of my life. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, I praise you for a hard week. God, Lord, I know in this room and at home, people are, are tired. Lord, the crankiness can make its way through. Depression can, can sit in, Lord. Father God, right now, would you let your spirit fill this place? Lord, would you allow the God who is all-powerful, worthy of all glory and praise, would you invade this place so that our hearts would be turned, God? to declare the truth that all that we have, all of our joy is in you. Some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. In Jesus' name, amen.